Still I'm not but skull and bones, yo ho, yo ho. Hello and welcome. You are listening to episode 6 of To the 404 and Beyond. This isn't an error, you are in the right place. We trust the festive season has treated you all well, and if it didn't, well, it's over. This last week, the tech industry and media descended on Sin City in Las Vegas, Nevada for 2024's Consumer Electronics Show, or CES to you. News wires were set abuzz with stories all about the latest gadgets and gizmos which will likely cost the price of a kidney when they arrive on South Africa's shores. Here to pick apart the standouts is the 404's editor-in-chief and founder, Marseille. So, Marseille, what impressed you? Hi, Nick. I feel like it's a it's hard to say exactly what impressed me, but... Is that because you weren't there in person? <laughs> yes. It would be nice to see everything in person because yeah. it's consumer take. Um, but there are a few interesting things that came out. I think a, an overarching theme, obviously, was AI. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on, on, that, um, on that track this year, well, for the past two years or so. So... I'd rather look at a few a few more conventional tech that we will actually see in our hands this year. Okay, such as? So Asus is bringing out a dual screen laptop. Yeah, I saw that. Which that... seems very cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks like the sort of thing that like, you know, if you're one of these people who does presentations or designs or you're yeah. a graphics designer, this is sort of the laptop that God gifted you. Yeah, so I I've been following the Asus ZenBook Duo for a, like since its launch. Mm. I actually have a first gen here that we were recording on. Ah. Um, and I was at the announcement, the launch of this first gen a few years back in Taiwan at Computex. So this latest one, 2024 version, is just an evolution of of growing the screen the bottom screen to turn it into a like proper dual screen device Mm -hmm. and then it has a um a removable keyboard mouse Mm -hmm. um and you have like different setups so what makes this one interesting also is that it only costs a thousand five hundred dollars which is i almost want to say close to half the previous zenbook duo in cost so they're trying to make it fairly accessible yeah. yeah Well, I mean, there's no much point in pushing high-grade tech out the door that you want people to use if you make it prohibitively expensive. Then exactly. Again, Apple. Well, yeah. Look at all all the latest phones are going upwards of a thousand dollars now. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really really interesting is those like those two dual screens snapped together to make possibly the the, the biggest tablet you have ever had in your life because it's also a touch screen, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean. I hate to say it's too much computer for me, but it, it's one of those things where if I, if I I know, A, if I bought it, my wife would be like, why didn't you buy an Apple? Because she prays at the cult of Apple. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I look at it and go, what would I use it for? But then again, I'm not a graphic designer. Yeah, you're probably not the target market. No. I also feel like people who, who use um, spreadsheets a lot mm. might find a lot of use out of it. Because you have the screen real estate and you don't have to travel with an additional monitor, which is, I guess, the point of the ZenBook Duo, like it's been since the beginning, to have an additional screen on board. Um, and 
it's just being more refined with time and that's that's nice to see in the tech space and mm. uh, another interesting thing i saw was the msi claw mm. which is a gaming handheld so we're moving back into the game boy era it feels like we all everyone's focused on on handheld portable gaming again well i mean i don't know i mean i i, I when it comes to handheld gaming i think that it's one of those things where if you're going to offer someone a handheld, it has to be able to do something else, or if if um, if it or it has to be part of, say, for example, an ecosystem which allows it to dovetail back into something else, like for example, the Steam Deck, like the Steam Deck, or, yeah. or even like you know the handheld on a Nintendo Switch. You know, I mean, the handheld is not the beginning and the end of it. Like, say, for example, the PS Vita or the PSP. Yeah, may I, may I chime is, in there quickly? It is an interesting transition. Sure. Right, so chiming in is the recently married comic book aficionado and games expert, Brad Lang. Hello, Brad. Hello, hello. I have some thoughts on this whole handheld uh, gaming revival, uh, as it is. I think it is a bit of a revival, you're right. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Because I play majority of my games handheld. If I can't play it handheld, then it's very likely I'm not going to be playing it. The, the thing that I, what you're talking about, uh, you know, dovetailing into, into some other sort of function, right? Uh, what I think is interesting is, as someone who uh, peruses the app of the younger generation, TikTok, I get a lot of ads for um, effectively little handheld consoles that look very similar to like a Game Boy Advance or a Nintendo DS, with the sole purpose of storing uh, emulated games on them you know going back all the way to like you know the the nes uh, and, and then, then there's no real alternative use to it outside of just play older games on a handheld console so i i think it's interesting that you're saying that it sort of is the sort of thing that needs to include more functionality beyond just playing games it needs to dovetail back into an ecosystem um which in, if you if you take for example the ps vita right if you all you wanted to play was Sony exclusives, brilliant. There you are. Whereas with your Steam Deck, for example, you have access to a legion of, of games on across, you know, that were originally released on different platforms, etc. 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 The ecosystem for that, for example, is a lot wider and has a lot more variety than say the PSP or the PS Vita. Is my point. If you look at how successful the Nintendo Switch is in its own right, like that's only Nintendo ecosystem. Ah, but you can still play EA games on there and Activision Blizzard games on there and Square Enix I games was, on there. I was going to say the thing about the Switch is that while, while you know, it is sort of Nintendo's flagship at the moment, it's the only flagship at the moment, um, I think a lot of developers would hail the Switch as being almost the second coming of indie games. Uh, to a mainstream market because I think outside of sort of Steam and maybe Xbox Live Arcade a lot of indie games didn't really have the sort of uh, mainstream uh, appeal as as they did before the Switch. The Switch has opened up an entire world to uh, an audience that otherwise weren't really aware that it existed. Mm. That having been, I mean that having been said you could play sort of indie games on the PS Vita but like you said it, they didn't have the sort of cachet that something like the Nintendo Switch and the Steam Deck have brought to them. So that's why these yeah, Windows exactly. um, portables are very interesting, right? We've got the ROG Ally launched last year, and then now the MSI has announced the Claw, which is, it looks like very similar, like a copycat almost physically of the ROG Ally. 
But both of those run Windows, like full Windows operating system, which isn't ideal because I don't think Windows is built for portable gaming console, but it does open up quite a lot of opportunity in terms of what you can access and play, including things like um, Xbox Game Pass, for example. Yeah, yeah. See anything else at CSS that grabbed you at all? I mean, I must confess, my, my, my whole week was essentially either ducking press releases that were, f- were thrown in my general direction. Or and, same. <laughs> and, 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 and running around editing game copy. It's like a flood of, mm. of press releases. That's the thing about it, though, is that like, one of the things about CSS, CES is that you really have to kind of be on the ground. Yeah, because you really have to. Because otherwise your operation just turns into a press release churn factory. But it's also easy to to see what floats to the top if you just keep mm. an eye on the news, which I admittedly also didn't really do this week. Mm. Um, but I did see a few things that caught my eye. The other one thing that was fairly interesting that that slots into the AI topic is, um, I think it's called Rabbit AI, and they launched a similar thing to the one we spoke about in, I think, the first episode of our podcast, that AI pin that connects to you and then you can speak to it. It's a similar concept, Mm. but it has a little LCD screen on it. And it looks like a small, almost like Game Boy-sized phone interface thing. Um, And it does the same kind of thing that the AI pin does made by Humane, but it's much cheaper. So this one's like $199. Mm. And it's interesting because I think this signifies a move into probably more of those products if we've already seen two in the past, like, three months. Hmm. Well, standing outside of CES and just having a look at what's been uh, tantalizing us uh, recently... Uh, mainly due to the fact that um, the only review we have up this week was um, written by a guy who's moving house, so he can't be in here to talk about it in any depth. Um, So we are kind of left to our own devices, other than that being a slow start to the year. But Brad, you told us that you have finally taken the plunge and bought yet another retro gadget, I suppose, if the Kindle can be called retro. What made you want to buy that? Um, So, okay, so I got myself the paper white gen 10 which i think was released 2021 uh so it's not hasn't got all the flashy nice graphics it's literally just black and white words on a on a screen and you know what it is fantastic uh for for whatever reason um i i found myself getting very much uh, enthused with the uh, pastime of reading uh, in 2023 uh, you know, you go to university and you you study a BA, uh, and it kind of kills your enthusiasm for the for the craft, as it were. Uh, considering you spend all your time reading, the last thing you want to do is get home to your res room and read further. I sort of fell out of love with it, but for whatever reason, uh, twenty twenty three sort of sparked up my uh, my enthusiasm again. And it was roughly around uh, Christmas time uh, in twenty twenty three last year. When I was sitting at home and I was looking for something to read, so I went out to the, to the local bookstore, not exclusive books, it was a nice indie one, and I came home with a couple of books, and the, the, it, it was about, I can't remember the specific amount, but it was just shy of a grand that I spent on two books. I just thought to myself, I, my, my wife was the one that pointed it out to me, she was like, you know, if you just added a couple, a couple more 
more mo- a couple more monies to that. If you just you know spend like an, an extra nine hundred, you get yourself a Kindle, and then all your books will cost f- like just phenomenally less. And I, I was umming and ahhing about it for a while because I, I don't like the I didn't like the idea of you know, giving up the sort of ha- the nice handheld feel of a book for what is effectively a tablet. But you know, eventually I took the plunge, and thank God I did. It has been so so nice being able to load that thing up with just whatever books I want at a fraction of the cost and just all the nice little stats that it comes with like it tells you how how far you are in percentage you know this it sort of calculates your average reading speed I, it's got a built-in dictionary which has been a godsend when you're trying to read a warhammer book and it's throwing random latin at you every second sentence yeah <laughs> so it's, it's it's really great it's really really good do you know what i really like about the kindle because I, I i own one as well um do you know what i really love about the kindle is that you never have to have this conversation again Hi, I'm looking for this particular book. Yeah, we don't stock that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is there any chance of ordering it? Yeah, but it'll take like six, <laughs> six and a half years for it to get here. Oh, well, maybe I'll just go to the Amazon store and just download it. How much would it cost, incidentally? Well, just the, download it. The, the exchange rate um, on the physical copy would be like, you know, um, however much it would cost in pounds, so you know, say seven pound ninety nine multiplied by twenty two or twenty three, given the exchange rate, plus whatever import tax they decide to throw on top of it. So you're looking at this amount of money. Oh, well, in that case, I definitely will go to the Amazon store and download it for about a third of that, and I'll have it this afternoon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Actually, mm-hmm. what am I doing in a bookstore? I know. I came in here just to torment you with my Kindle. I will now go and have a coffee. Thank you very much. Those are the conversations that you can have with a Kindle. And it's actually really, really good. I, I, and what a wonderful conversation. <laughs> I, I, I was actually like in a position very much like you because I was, I was wandering around uh, um, exclusive books, I'll say it, exclusive books. And um, I, 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 I saw a couple <laughs> of books on, on, on offer there. And um, one of them was The Dice Man, which I hadn't read in a while. And um, another one was I, I thought to myself, you know what, I'll, I'll give Game of Thrones the first Game of Thrones book a try because I've never actually read it. I watched the series, but I've never actually read it. And I looked at the prices of these things and I was like, there has to be a better alternative. And I remembered I had a Kindle and I went home and literally downloaded them for, I think it was roughly half the price of what they were being offered in the store. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's 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 not just the fact that it's cheap. It's not the fact that it's che- it's not just the fact that it's cheaper. It's the fact that like as long as Amazon has it in the shop or, or its online store, there is pretty much nothing that is beyond your reach. You know, as long as you've got a good internet connection. Well, that's exactly the thing. What what I what I found so frustrating is I was I don't maybe it's just a it's a local thing, but I was walking into many many bookshops and saying, hey, can you? Can you do you have any horror books? Because I, I love a good horror book, and they would only ever recommend Stephen King. And once you've and once you've read eighty percent of Stephen King, you don't need to do the other twenty percent of Stephen King. It's not really worth your time. And they would say, "Well, we don't actually have much horror in. Uh, how about and how about Dracula?" And I would say, "Cool, I I like the sound of Dracula. I haven't actually read Dracula. Let me go and read this very old book by Bram Stoker." And they said, well, it's actually not by Bram Stoker. What? And I was like, well, how is, it, how, is it, how is it Dracula, but not by Bram Stoker? And they took me to a section that was like the, the, the sales section. And it was the, the title of the book, and I'm paraphrasing here, was Dracula's Mistress. 
And I was like, well, I, I, I can see how you got confused, but I don't think this is really the sort of thing I'm looking for to give me the how much the, was it the chills? How much you was know? it? Uh, it was oh, it was about two hundred and fifty bucks. Oh no! I mean, if it was like a tenner, I would, I would buy it just as a conversation piece. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like to put it up like on the bookshelf and be like, yeah, that's my copy of uh, Dracula's Mistress there. Hell of a read. Yeah. It gets real good around chapter eight. Yeah. But not really the sort of thing that I'm looking for, you know? You never know. I mean, they're, they're, uh, but then again, this could just be me because I kind of go out of my way to hunt down, or not so much hunt down, but if I see something that like screams rubbish kitsch, you know, as long as the, um, the, 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 the outlay for it isn't too much and the commitment isn't too much, I think to myself, I, I, I might actually. Give that a go. I mean, I, I remember once listening to um, uh, the comedian um, Patton Oswalt. He was doing a show. I can't remember which uh, one of the CDs, uh, sort of which shows it was. But he, he mentioned a film that, you know, and this is a film, by the way, that you can check on IMDb that actually was written and got made. And it's called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats People. And I just thought, <laughs> I just thought, I actually have to go and I have to find that. I, I have to sort of, you know, I went and found the trailer, and it's it's on YouTube. You can find it. But like, I mean, I'm not sure I could commit to however many um, minutes it would be to watch the damn thing. But I just love the idea that out there, someone wrote and made a film called Deathbed, the bed that eats people. Um, so Dra- it's so that's wonderful. So, that is so wonderful. Dracula's isn't art fantastic? Yeah. So Dracula's mistress, I'll be like, that's uh, is it going to be like kind of like Blood Rain or something like that? I don't know. Um, you know. But yeah, the other thing I also love about the Kindle is on a full charge, you could probably fly to the moon with it. Um, that charge lasts a heck oh, of yeah. a long time. Um, it's all very orderly. I bought mine about two weeks ago, almost on, the, on to the day. And I have sort of, I've read it consistently for about, I want to say I'm an hour to two every day. And I'm still on, I think, 60% charge. It is like a... It's like, a, it's like a Game Boy Advance. It just doesn't die. How much did you pay for it, if you don't mind my asking? I paid... I'm trying to remember. I think it was 2.7 for the Gen 10 Paperwhite, which was the best price that I, I could find. And funnily enough, it wasn't off-take a lot. All right. Was it loot? No, it was actually Incredible Connection. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was the be- they were offering the, the best price hands down. I was actually quite impressed. Nice one. And the great thing also about the Kindle Paperwhite is that, like, is there a huge jump, do you think, between the 10 and the 11? Probably not. Not really. Probably not. You know. Did you, did you get yourself a nice little kitsch cover to put it in? No, I didn't. I thought about getting one with nice little flowers on it, but I thought, no, I don't need that. I, I like just having this very thin little piece of metal and plastic in my pocket. I don't need to put nice little dainty... Uh, f- f- patterns all over the cover. Mm. I got a leather cover for mine that says death. <laughs> death no, it, I, no, I didn't. I just made that up. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I can speak very fondly of the Kindle. Um, if you ever find yourself on a long haul flight, which apparently at some point, Brad, you will, that will be a godsend. Yeah, very soon. Absolutely. Well, for my sins, well, I say my sins, but for my... Uh, enjoyment i was part of the closed beta for skull and bones recently um uh yeah how did that go nick um <laughs> is it is it is it actually coming out is it is it is, is it happening well i mean you know uh, the release date is february this year um this release date has been moved around so much brad could be forgiven for saying okay i'll believe it when i see it 
this is also a game, if you remember, was announced all the way back in 2017. Phew, that's wild. That's what? Six S- years, nearly? Six, seven... That's almost a decade eight, yeah. ago at this point. Yeah. Almost eight years. So, you know, this is like... Um, it's been a while. And, and you know, I'm one of these people who... I saw it announced and I thought, that looks good. And then nothing. I didn't really hunt for news on Skull and Bones. So I wasn't really sort of, um, you know... The, the news about it wasn't really on the radar. You know, I've actually written for our, our preview, which goes up this week. Um, if uh, Rather than dive into all of the shenanigans around Skull and Bones and why it's taken so long to come out, um, you can just literally Google um, Skull and Bones shenanigans and a whole bunch of links pop up. So if you're really interested in it, you can have a look at that. But from the point of view of playing the game, um, right. My question to both of you, did you ever play Assassin's Creed Black Flag? No. Damn straight, I love that game. But I think if I'm going to play an Assassin's Creed, because I haven't played any of them, I've told you, Mm. I would start with that one probably. Okay. Did you ever play a game called The Division? No. Or Tom Clancy's The Division, to give it its full full name? No. Right. If you take... I, I have not. If you take those two games and mash them together, you have a pretty good approximation of what Skull and Bones is like. Um, you take on the role of... That sounds like it'd be half of a good game. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't played The Division. What would you know? Um, I played The Division. I actually rather enjoyed it. It's a looter shooter. I need, not, I need nothing else. I, I actually rather enjoyed The Division. Thank you very much. Um, so, essentially, you take on the role of a pirate who is mute, much like your protagonist is in The Division. Which, you know, obviously leads to some sort of, um, you know, personally um, hilarious moments where, you know, someone, an NPC is expounding on the law of this world or the, uh, or the mechanics of this world or something you have to do in this world. And you're just standing there going, hmm, yep, hmm, okay. <laughs> you know? um, which is what you did in The Division as well. Oh, my God, we've got to get to the White House before everyone dies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, and... And, however, unlike The Division, where you are an agent running around some abandoned city in the wake of a massive pandemic, instead you are a pirate who has their own ship. And the, the close beta started off with you basically being the escort for a particular smuggler. Um, and then Her Majesty's Navy arrived and pounded the lot of you. Um, I gave as good as I got until I got sunk. Um, and then you land up in a sort of starting area, which gives you the basics, where, you know, you're... Um, running along to this particular part of the island to get this particular um, ingredient to craft this particular thing. Then you run along to this area here where you find, um, you know, some treasure or some information that an NPC wants where he's promising to take you to uh, the main pirate sort of hub. Um, You get yourself a really rubbish sort of raft with a sail on it and two NPCs who are prepared to follow you into hell. And off you go and you get started. If you played Assassin's Creed Black Flag, you know, the combat, the the steering around the ocean will be very, very familiar. It's third person. You can see your nice ship or ships because obviously you're not going to spend the entire game on a raft with a sail on it. Um, Not unless you're rubbish. Um, Or unless you want a really, really big challenge, I suppose. Um, but you you basically sail the seven seas, um, and occasionally you run into um, schooners and NPCs who you decide to blow apart. Blow apart. Um, this is where it deviates a bit from Assassin's Creed Black Flag because 
Brad, you'll remember, um, what the way the combat used to work was you would shoot the hell out of a ship and, you know, all their sails would burn and then you would board them. Yeah. Right. There is no boarding. Yeah. It's literally just you have a... That's instantly... I'm sorry. I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer. That's instantly worse. So it's like battleship. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a kind of world of tanks. So you're just sinking ships. Um, yeah, well, you sink ships and you take their stuff, uh, which you then um, either return for quests or you put into your own sort of ships and you build bigger guns, stronger armor, etc., etc., etc. There is a thread of a story um, that, you, uh, that 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 is um, present in the game, but I'm not going to spoil it. A and B, I'm sure I didn't play enough into the demo to scratch the surface. But it's essentially what you're looking at in Skull and Bones is a looter shooter okay. with a boat. So is it is it is because I think the the big question when it comes to sort of looter shooters in particular is the loot that you're picking up needs to be compelling, right? To keep going, like is that the case? Is it is it like a tangible difference you can feel when you get uh, new items to upgrade your ship? Oh yeah, I mean obviously your ship can't be just sunk in a matter of minutes. Um, and the thing about picking up the loot is that you can either apply it or you can you can use it to craft things that you can use to find other things. Um, and for example, one of the things you need to craft is a shovel, so you can go off and find buried treasure. Um, but yeah, like, but but playing it, look, I had fun, I did have fun, um, but it's one of those things where you you look at it going, okay, so this thing has had a very very long development time. I am not sure how many numbers it would be able to peel away from other games of this type. You know, I mean, as as Brad said, I mean, as someone who loved Black Flag and possibly even Rogue, the fact that you can't board ships kind of struck me as a kind of a bit of a an own goal there. It was like, oh, all right. So, so wait, can I just let me? If I can just interrupt you, are you actually? Is it the sort of thing where you are controlling like a person, an actual character running around the ship? So because you said you can well, build a shovel when, to when pick you're, things when, up, when you're on, or are you just controlling the ship? When you're on the water, you're controlling the ship, and when you're on the islands or on any sort of land masses, you're running around as a third person. Okay, okay. So, so is it is what's the, what's the split in terms of gameplay? I assume it's majority being on the ship and fighting, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, but then again, I mean, it's like uh, it all depends on what your what, what your 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 po- your poison is, I suppose. Are you more interested in having a look at land masses, exploring them, um, helping yourself to the items there, or do you just want to go around blowing the hell out of NPC boats? It, it is an interesting one. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Is fair enough. Looking at the release window, I can't really see any major competition that it has in February coming out in that release window. I, I also haven't hands in the air i also haven't checked to see whether or not if you sign up to ubisoft plus you'll get like uh, a free go at it i'm assuming you will i mean they want it to do well and it's been in development for an awfully long time my my big question that the last question i want to ask you on this are are there sea shanties if there were i must have missed them you're breaking my heart here, I, I, dog. I, I, oh, man. I didn't see any instances where I could run around collecting floaty bits of paper that ran away from you, like in Assassin's Creed Black Flag or so Assassin's you, Creed. Your crew Black. doesn't sing while they while they're traversing the great wide ocean. Like I said, I didn't notice it if they were. So we have now come to the end of the podcast, which is where we examine our exit strategies, what we have been playing, what we have been reading, what we have been watching. Who would like to go first? Brad. Excellent. <laughs> I have been playing um, the old school Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright games. They are 
phenomenal, fantastic, very, very basic, simple, uh, I suppose, visual novels uh, where you play as a uh, an ace attorney who has to prove uh, his clients are innocent in a, in a court of law by gathering evidence and smashing the desk with your hands and shouting objection very loudly. Right. Um, I've played them all uh, 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 multiple times. That's a top ten. That's a top five game series for me. I adore Ace, Ace Attorney. It, the reason I'm getting back into them is at the end of January, uh, Apollo Justice, which was the kind of sequel series that was that's been uh, unf- was unfortunately trapped in the 3DS jail. For me, for many many years, is finally making the leap to other platforms uh, on Steam and uh, Xbox, PlayStation, I believe, Switch. So I, I haven't actually played those ones because you know they've been sort of locked on a console that is not exactly um, the, the, at the forefront of my mind. So I'm very very excited to go back and 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 try those those Apollo Justice games. So I just wanted to refresh my memory, get get hype, and play the uh, the original trilogy again. Question. As Ace Attorney, do you ever represent anyone who's guilty? Never. Oh. The whole the whole thing of the game is, or well, I don't know, may, maybe in some spin-off that I'm uh, not aware of, but the whole thing of the game is that the people you defend are always innocent and they've always been framed and set up, and it's kind of the uh, kind of I suppose the alternate an alternate reality where defense lawyers are uh, the good guys instead of, you know, generally the case uh, in reality in which they are kind of the worst. Mm, I see. So you don't get Ace Attorney Primal Fear? Unfortunately, no, you don't get uh, Ace Attorney Primal Fear. That would be a very good spin-off, though. Well, good for you, Marty. (laughs) How about you, I say? What have you been up to? So recently, Amazon um, brought out the new season of Reacher. Oh, right. Quite a fun watch. It's... By no means an intellectual watch. You're watching <laughs> it for the f- for the b- big guy punching smaller guys. Okay, just so we, <laughs> just, just if you've never heard of Reacher, Reacher is based on a series of books by Lee Child, and it's about this go- black bloke called Reacher. I think he's what ex-military police, yeah, and he's roughly the size of a house, yeah, and he moves from town to town just helping people. He's like the littlest hobo with more muscles than you could ever imagine in your life. Yes, exactly that. Okay. What's this one particularly about? So New Season, one of his old um, military group um, members, or a few of the members, have been being picked off and killed. Mm-hmm. So now he and the, the remaining few are investigating what has been happening. And there's a big government conspiracy. And I would say, like, it's not the best writing. It's something I've picked up on Amazon Prime's um, original shows that's they're not written that well, mm. but it's still a fun watch. They're really good at world building and like mm. atmosphere and, and showing really cool stuff and worlds and people and characters. But yeah, so that's what we've been watching. I haven't finished the second season. It's coming out weekly, so mm. yeah, we have to be patient. Um, another thing we've been watching is Echo, and the new Marvel show. Brad, have you watched it? I have not. I didn't even know it was out. Yeah, it came out like a few days ago on See Disney+. Plus. Oh, wow. I need to watch that. We, we haven't really been watching or keeping up with the Marvel series at all. I think the last one that we really watched was The Punisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was cancelled. We haven't watched Daredevil. We haven't watched most of them but this one caught our eye so we 
watched one episode. It's about Fisk, the kingpin. Kingpin. Mm, um, yeah. yeah. And one of his, I guess, bounty hunters, who is a Native American um, deaf woman. And the show kind of follows her story, which is like, it's very interesting. She's a main character. She never really speaks. Well, I don't think she's spoken at all, which makes it a really interesting dynamic. Um, and then she's a really good fighter, obviously. And there's lots of background story in like her life. And it's really, really well done, but very gruesome and very like dark. It's very, it's very violent. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I love that because they said it was going to be sort of their first foray into more grim, dark material, uh, which they say about every every Marvel project. I'm glad that they actually um, are delivering on that. Yeah, it's also really cool seeing like kind of div- diversity without it being or feeling forced because mm. normally if Marvel does something... Yeah, tokenism. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it feels very forced and in this case it doesn't feel that way and I... It it looks like they're really like handling it. I don't know handling the whole Native American thing well with interesting stories, interesting law. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying it a lot. Well, for my sins, um, I watched Aquaman two. Oh wow! <laughs> which has been out for a while now. I haven't even thought about so watching sorry, that bud. film. <laughs> well, I mean, my wife wanted to so go. Sorry, my wife wanted to go, and out of all of the DC movies I've ever seen, Aquaman, the first one, was the one that I thought was the least rubbish. It was actually quite fun. Um, but the thing about it is, is that like I've, I mean, going back to a piece that Brad actually wrote for our site um, earlier, I think last month. I just the first thing I did when I saw this film was like, it's two hours, <laughs> two hours. <laughs> two hours mm, i suppose yeah. i should be happy it's still three but it's still two hours and um and i watched it um basically what happens in it is that black mantis the baddie from the last game uncovers an underground uh, an underwater city that um seems to be populated by um a race of atlanteans who are a cross between i don't know um the what were they called in game of thrones the uh the, 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 the Dothraki? Bad guy, no the bad guys yeah the the white, white like a cross between the white walkers and some cthulhu mythos and he goes mad and starts you know boiling the oceans uh, you know hilarity ensues from there um that's aquaman 2 i mean it's all right it's not for me i suppose um I read a book called Civilization by Niall Ferguson, which is one of the best written bad books I've read in a very long time. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's basically Niall Ferguson is, um, is a historian in, from England, but he's very pro-imperialism and pro-empire. Oh, and civilization is about, um, you know, how the West came to dominate the world through six killer apps. Um, and these apps are things like competition and medicine and work ethic, you what? know, and you can like see where this is going. <laughs> and like, you know, I mean, for, for me, the whole thing jumped the rails in chapter in the chapter about medicine, where he basically in, intimated that isn't it a good thing that the Europeans arrived when they did bringing medicine with them for the people in places like Africa and North America, conveniently ignoring the fact that the reason people needed those medicines was because the Europeans also brought things with them like smallpox. 
um, you know, and it's the implication. The, the implication there is that there wasn't real proper medicine until the Europeans got there. And you're like, well, that's garbage for a kickoff. And then he spends the rest yeah. of the rest of the chapter sort of having a go at the French. Where you go, what has this got to do with medicine? Um, the thing is, though, he can write the paint off the walls. He's a really, really, really good writer. A good very for him. good writer. But yeah, that was my that was my reading after New Year's. And recently, I. Um, was playing a game called Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. I don't know if anyone remembers that from last year or the year before. Is that the is that the visual novel one? Um, That's the text-based one? It's, it's, it's not so much a visual novel. It, that Those are the vi- Vampire the Masquerade coteries and more the vis- visual novels. Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song is essentially a game that runs it's 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 if you imagine mass effect with all the combat taken out and just the dialogue choices left plus the investigation of you know basically you wandering around investigating things um you know what little combat that does happen it takes place in a kind of quick time event sort of scenario it's closer to say the telltale games than it is to something like a visual novel um and once again, it's not very good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, one one day the one day they'll get it right. They'll turn Vampire into something into a good video game. One day. The thing is, I had some hope for this one because it was made by a studio called Big Bad Wolf, and they made a very very similar game to this um, called The Council. So The Council is set on this island, and you play this character called Louis, and it's set around the sort of seventeen eighteen hundreds sort of there. And the council are a group of people who, you know, some of their members you'll know from history. Napoleon is a member. Bismarck is a member. Um, George Washington is a member. And it's kind of like this cabal of world leaders that meet on this island to decide which direction the world's going to go in. So it's kind of like a murder mystery on an island hideaway um, which is populated by members of the 17th, 18th century Illuminati. And it's really quite interesting and quite fun. And so that's why I had some high hopes for Swan Song, because um, it was made by the same people. But um, no, um, it's for diehard fans of the world of darkness. And as speaking is one of them, I would say even then it's something of a push. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But I've paid for the damn thing, so I'm going to play it to the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, thank you very much for your time, Brad. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much, Marseille. Thank you, Nick. And we'll see you all in a couple of weeks.